How's it going, everybody? It is once again me, Chewy, one of the hosts of the podcast titled Expert in the Myths Behind the Legends. And and once again, joined by my girlfriend, Monica. Hi! <laughs> you sound overly enthusiastic there, my friend. Oh, yeah. I'm eating popcorn. That's why I'm, I'm very happy right now. <laughs> I think it's also because it's our season five finale. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> We're going to be talking about a classic movie from the 1970s, actually, which is none other than the OG Halloween. Dun, dun, dun. From director John Carpenter. And it is also the last episode before our extended hiatus that we'll be taking and starting after this one. <laughs> but like I mentioned earlier, in, I mean, if you listen to the past episode on Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on M Street, we shall return and be stronger than ever. So yes, and in the meantime, I'll be doing mini episodes with uh, interviews from people, uh, random audio that I collect here and there, maybe a couple of ghost investigations. I don't know. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> see if he gets possessed in one of those episodes. That's still in the works. I'll buy a Ouija board and see what happens. Nice, kidding. Well, maybe I will. I don't know. <laughs> well, anyways, Monica, real quick, let's remind our listeners of our social media accounts. We have our Facebook under. Expert in the Myths Behind the Legends, and we have our Instagram under Myths Behind LGDS. Our Twitter is Myths Behind LGDS, and you can also email us at MythsBehindLegends at gmail.com. Awesome. And of course, we have our link tree, which has all of our links, and that's going to be under linktree.com slash Myths Behind LGDS. And on there, you'll be able to find all of our social media links. So everything from our Instagram, Spotify links, our, our anchor profile, etc. So get under and yes, explore that. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have our infamous website, which is under myths hyphen behind hyphen legends dot mailchimpsites.com. Woo! Awesomeness. So, Monica, a real, real quick first impression of Halloween. Do you find this movie enjoyable? What do you think about it? And a couple of words. It's a, it was a little slow for me. <gasps> very, very slow. Uh, also, it's so weird seeing... Jamie Lee Curtis? Yes, Jamie Lee Curtis. As a teenager? Question mark. Like... <laughs> <laughs> She, there were moments when they did like close-ups and you could tell she was a teenager or she was like young but then another she just looks like a mom like in the beginning of the movie it literally oh. looks like the dude who came out was her husband i was like uh <laughs> I thought she was supposed to be a daughter or something but um good good movie classic um very uh <laughs> suspenseful is what i'm gonna say <laughs> really built up We'll definitely get more in depth about that right now. But as far as my first impressions go, I mean, I can't remember the first time that I saw this movie. It must have been, I must have been in middle school, probably, which is in the mid '90s. Uh, like the other '80s movies, I happened to watch the later entries in the franchise first because of when they came out. I was a kid when when the Halloween four and five came out. I must have been like six or seven years old. When those movies came out, so that's the first ones that I saw because those were the ones that would be, you know, played on TV and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I became a full-on horror fan that I started watching the rest of them. And I mean, as far as just uh, uh, me from watching it just literally yesterday, I 
like the movie. I pretty much know everything's gonna happen, so I was like, eh, yeah, <laughs> I was going through the motions. But it's still enjoyable, and we'll definitely talk about all the elements about it in our next segment, which is coming right after this break. Alright Monica, so we are at our critique slash review segment of this movie, and I'll start because it looks like you're busy uh, with the... Uh... <laughs> Munching! <laughs> That's gonna occur for oh you and say you're, you're doing some household chores, but I mean, it's, it's okay. Who cares? <laughs> I eat a lot, I love food, um, I haven't eaten, so this is my snack. Alright, so allow me to do the honors then, so to, you, you can catch your breath right. for a minute. Uh, okay, so... I have a remastered version of this film that I think was made around the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. It's still kind of grainy looking. I mean, it doesn't look HD or anything because that's not really possible. I mean, you can restore footage from 45 years ago, whatever, up to a point. You can't really make it look perfect unless you literally remake the movie with CGI or whatever, you know? Yeah. But I thought it still looked pretty good as far as the the quality of it but also the shooting angles i mean john carpenter is i think one of the best directors in in general not just in horror but just in in cinema as a whole uh -huh. i really like the way he frames his shots the way he builds them up the, the close-ups and then he opens up the takes a real far and wide the lighting in this movie like the lighting effects as far as it being light and dark i think that was very effective as well but what do you think of the origin story, the first scene in the movie? Well, I mean, I remember that being the origin story. Like, he was a little kid and he was already acting, you know, psychotic. But, like... How do you feel about that scene, like, the way it was filmed? Or did it make you feel anything? Or I mean, it was cool. I liked it. Like, the perspective of him, of a little boy. That was uh -huh. awesome. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was cool because it's like nobody suspects a little a little child, you know, to be a little murderer. So it's cool, like how he was just kind of walking and just like real chill, like, you know. <laughs> I liked it. it. It was cool. I liked it too. I thought it was pretty original. Again, it was mm -hmm. a semi-continuous shot because full disclaimer. Or disclosure, I happen to have seen the Netflix analysis of this movie. Netflix has a, a series called The Movies That Made Us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've been watching those and kind of getting information from there, but also from IMDb, which is what I'm doing right now. But uh, as far as that specific scene, they mentioned that the camera they had was, for its time, really advanced and high-tech. But it could only record for like five minutes of film and then it would run out. So that scene in the beginning where they, they had the kid walking into the house and looking into the windows and stuff like that, they had a cut somewhere in there and that was when they put them when the when the person, the child puts the mask on. And that was oh. the second reel of film for that take. So I thought that I mean, nice. 
knowing stuff like that is pretty cool because uh, yeah i mean i'm not a filmmaker and i don't think i ever will make a film i, I don't think i have the knowledge or the know-how how to mm-hmm. actually make a film i like to score a film and make, write music for it which john carpenter did for this movie as well and as far as you know just just a, my final comment on that first scene is that i think they did really good mm-hmm. especially yeah. at, at the end when he's walking out of the house and then you see the parents and they unmask him and it's like michael <laughs> and this is him holding the knife looking all confused like he doesn't know what, mm-hmm. what's happening and moving further with the movie why or um, later on we find out in, in the franchise uh-huh. But, but just keeping this movie in its own little bubble for now, without taking into account anything from the later entries, uh-huh. you hear Dr. Loomis talking about how he's evil and how for 15 years he hasn't been able to talk to him or reach him or whatever. Uh-huh. So, why would you think that is? Just in, in as far as this movie, as, as just by, as an individual movie, not as well. A- he, he's a kid who just doesn't understand like how he feels why he feels what he feels so like it's kind of like that traumatized him and he doesn't want to say anything or talk to anybody because of the trauma mm-hmm. and because he maybe he doesn't feel like anybody can help him i don't know i mean like there's of course all kinds of mental conditions that you can speculate this, this kid has or whatever um i really wouldn't be able to pinpoint to just one specific one but I think it's some sort of mental condition. To me, like that, that's that's why this kid decides it just he just snaps and decides that his sister shouldn't live anymore. Yeah, it's like a chemical imbalance or something. Uh huh. And speaking of the sister, one last comment before I forgot to mention before they go up to you know do their the deed so to speak. Uh huh. And the guy comes back down in like a minute. And he's already getting dressed. <laughs> he's a one-pump chump. <laughs> I just thought that was pretty funny. I had forgotten that, that I thought it was longer for him to be up there with her. But it's like literally like a minute, maybe a minute and a half. I mean, they're in high school, dude. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> so I feel no... Uh, no, what, what is that? Uh, Sympathy? No, I mean like... I feel sympathy for that guy. Oh. <laughs> Rather, I... You spoke about Jamie Lee Curtis and how she looks like a mom. Uh, and I think we mentioned in, in a previous episode that the reason for that is because younger actors, they had to keep them with tutors and guardians and get them home by a certain time, stuff like that. So it's more practical for them to have a an older actor. But I'm reading here that Jamie Lee Curtis was the only one that was actually a teenager. She, I, th- I guess she was like 19 when she made this movie. What? But she looks like 40. <laughs> yeah, she does. Well, not 40. That's a lot. The other ones were older than she was. And they looked, I guess, about the same age, I think. Maybe like late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, especially the the other one. What's, what's, what's her name? The one with the pigtails. I always had a crush on the one with the pigtails. <laughs> Which one was that one? She's the one that, that uh, later on in the movie has uh, the boyfriend with the ghost that turns out to, oh, to actually yeah, be Michael yeah. Myers. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, her, I, I always thought she was the cutest one of the three when I was a kid. And now, again, again, going back to the topic that we talked about in the last movie, watching this movie now, it's like... Uh, <laughs> I'm not like a 
37 year old man watching like what's allegedly a teenager get killed on screen i was like uh. i mean te- technically they were 20 something like yeah, so I mean. <laughs> we're not being weird oh man so one of the things that you mentioned also is that the movie is very suspenseful that i like this a lot about this movie they really pr- i mean before you you i, I can see your face already <laughs> you sense? Yeah. i can see your face you're gonna like break my heart here probably but i like the way they build suspense i like the way and that had a lot to do with the budget which we'll mention later but i think this is this movie's per- the perfect example of less is more yeah mm-hmm. and it like it builds so it's like i was constantly like okay when do when are they gonna die like when is he gonna like stab her like and then it's like oh no not yet not yet little one <laughs> wait patience patience is key um that's that's what i was thinking the entire time i was just like oh he's so close he's so far but yeah <laughs> because he it was, actually it was good he actually spends most of the movies just stalking them right exactly the which kills is like, happen until like the last 20 minutes uh-huh uh-huh and at that point you're just like you're ready you're just like come on man give it to me <laughs> So, uh, thinking back to when the time, the, to the time period in which this movie was made, the late seventies, uh, The Exorcist must have been about four or five years old by this point. Where this is, it came out in seventy four, seventy five, I think. And this one's seventy eight. They're completely different movies, though. But yet they're both horror. The Exorcist is more of like a physical horror. Like you actually see the girl get possessed and all the disgusting stuff she does. And with this guy, you hardly ever see him on the screen. Like, you see him for a couple seconds, creeping at them, and they just, they turn the camera back to them, and they're like, <gasps> and then, Oh, no! <laughs> yeah, who is that? And then they turn back to where he was, and he's not there anymore. Like, oh, and, and then the, the car scene, when they're walking in the street, they're going from, from school, and they see him driving after them, and one of them was like, I think that guy is cute. And like, isn't he wearing a mask already by that point? Yeah, because you can't really see his face. I mean, it's kind of like... I feel like he did have the mask on. But even if he didn't, it wouldn't have mattered because it was like so like dark. And and, and, and they thought it was somebody else because that car belonged to somebody else. The, yeah, the same model car. That, I think they said it was yeah. one of their friends from school or whatever. That... Yeah, and she's like, oh, I think that's that guy's cute. So that's what they—that's what they thought it was. Speaking of which, how did Michael Myers have to drive? Because he's been locked up for like 15 years in this jail or mental hospital. Plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> they actually mentioned that in one of the scenes where Doctor Loomis is talking to one of the guys from the hospital. Uh. He's like, ah, you know, he—he he doesn't know how to drive a car, and he's like, well, he's doing great. Last night, I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what you guys have been teaching him in this in this institute, whatever. Institution, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, uh, since we mentioned the mask, we got to mention also that I think it's common knowledge by now, but the mask is actually a Captain Kirk mask from Star Trek. Oh, yes. <laughs> I saw that the other day. Yeah. And in the Netflix thing, the movies that made us, they mentioned that they had considered doing a clown mask. Uh-huh. Or this one. So they, 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 they were going to make a choice. Yeah. So the costume designer said well they asked me to make a couple of masks and i picked the clown mask and then they show some of the stills of that i guess during the audition or, or whatever they want to call it 
and the, the clown mask looked weird as hell. Like, it looked really creepy. Yeah. And then the guy's like, yeah, but when we busted out the Michael Myers, Michael Myers mask, we're like, oh, hell no. This is this is creepier than that. <laughs> yeah. Because by that point, the mask... It's so weird. It's so awkward. Yeah, by that point, the mask had already been altered, and it was it had been bleached, and the hair had been darkened, and, and the eyebrows were removed, so it was, it's a very expressionless face. And that mask was lost in, in time, kind of like the Freddy Krueger glove. Nobody knows what happened to that mask. I, I mean, as far as from what I understand, I don't think they mentioned that in the Netflix thing, but I heard somewhere that. And that's why in every movie they had a different one, because they could never find the original. Yeah. Ever again. And I think later masks are not as effective as this one. They were, like, cheesier. Uh-huh. If you keep watching the movies in the franchise, especially, I think, part four and five, the mask looks funny. It looks ridiculous. So I think that for sure the first one is definitely the better one. So what do you think of Dr. Loomis? He's weird. He's weird. Like, and I thought it was so funny that he kept just missing this this guy like by like <laughs> minutes. And I was like, ah. If you see all these crazy people outside of the institution and you know something is up, why would you leave your freaking partner in there, dude? Like, go together <laughs> to the entrance of the freaking hospital and, you know, wait or whatever. Like, why would you just leave her out there and you run? Also, he's a murderer. Why would you get out of the car and walk all the way over there in the dark? Like, yeah. if these people cannot get out on their own, obviously he had something to do with it. Ugh, he's such a weird doctor. <laughs> I like his character. I think he's a very interesting part of the series. I think he's he's kind of like the nemesis of Michael Myers in a way. They kind of have made him opposites, kind of like Batman to the Joker or something. You know, yeah, uh, uh-huh. That, that relationship kind of thing. But later on in, in the franchise, you see he becomes upset. I mean, he's already kind of obsessed in this movie. But you see him kind of devolve into this kind of... He kind of looks like a... I mean... Like a conspiracy theorist person, like just like uh-huh. everything, like screaming at everything and everyone, and gets angry all the time, real quickly. And in this movie, he's a little bit more composed. I think he's he's kind of chill most of the time, mm-hmm. except in the beginning when he's like, like kind of having an argument with that other doctor from the from the hospital. Yeah. But now for the behind the scenes stuff about Doctor Loomis, he didn't want to do the movie. Why? <laughs> It's kind of a common theme with these movies, right? Like, uh, yeah, because uh-huh. this They're guy, like, he was kind of a, a known actor already at the time, uh, Donald Pleasance. Uh huh. He had been in, in a few movies, especially a, a couple of James Bond movies, I think. Okay. As a villain, and so when they called him to do this movie with a rookie director that nobody had really heard of, John Carpenter, he was like, ah, "Okay, I guess I'll do it," and they paid him twenty thousand dollars for the for the movie. Damn. Which back then must have been. A, quite a bit of money i mean it's probably like around 50 or 60 from now i guess you know yeah mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like a lot but i mean i guess it kind of felt underpaid <laughs> yeah and actually in that netflix thing they mentioned that for a lot of the movie scenes he was drunk <laughs> what <laughs> wow yeah like he would drink all the time on set especially when when that scene happens when they're, they're going to the hospital and they're in the car uh-huh. he and like the nurse and him They said that in that scene, he was probably the drunkest he was during the whole shooting of the movie. Wow. And that he and Carpenter had kind of had like a, a, a heart-to-heart, so to speak, <laughs> about, <laughs> about his, his status during the, the shooting. And after that, he kind of started getting a little better and not getting drunk all the time. But Yeah. 
I never knew that. Damn, dude. I never knew that, and now watching the movie now, I can't unsee it. I, I can't unsee <laughs> Dr. Lewis as being a, a, a drunk. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And it makes perfect sense because of the way he talks and the yeah. way he behaves and everything. So I was like, wow, why mm-hmm. did I never see this kindred spirit <laughs> <laughs> in the kindred movie? Kindred spirit. Speaking of kindred spirits, I mean, we're kind of jumping uh, like uh, all over the place here, but I think the little girl Lindsay is my mood. Oh yeah. She doesn't yeah, pay any attention dude. to anything. She's just watching horror movies all day, and people are screaming around her, and she's like, yeah, "Okay, deuce, whatever." Yeah. <laughs> the phone Halloween. is ringing, and she's just kind of like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. like yeah. living her life <laughs> in her own little bubble. That's awesome. When the girl gets stuck in the laundry room, whatever, and she kind of like, she's like, "Okay, I guess I'll go get her." Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's got the personality of a cat, dude. Yeah, that's exactly. Why I think you like her. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's why I, I find her relate. Demeanor. Yeah, I, I can relate. Yeah, mm-hmm. like mine because I'm such a cat person, and I mean, <laughs> I care about my friends and neighbors and everything like that, but I, I can be kind of detached like that sometimes. Yeah, I was annoyed. I'm like, really? Like this girl screaming at the top of her lungs, like <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, and the. F- people just they turn on the light like oh i wonder who it is oh it's just some teenager screaming let's close the blinds they won't know we're home <laughs> i was like wow <laughs> well it's because it's halloween and that's usually when pranks are played they, so. yeah so it, they thought yeah i get it but it's still like dude and they're the girls clearly scared yeah and they're the fans i mean you could if you think about it if you're like a 45 50 year old man or woman whatever and you're tired from work all day and dealing with kids trick-or-treating and then somebody comes screaming their lungs out at like 10 o'clock at night or whatever time it was at night, I'll be like, eh. <laughs> really? I wouldn't. I would be like, hey, what's going on? Dude, when somebody knocks on my door, I never answer. I don't care who it is. Well, <laughs> I mean, if, if it's somebody that I'm expecting or that I know or something, then I'll... But if it's just like... If I'm hanging out and it's my day off from work and I hear the, the doorbell, I'm like, I don't care who it is. <laughs> That's why I'm saying that the Lindsay's my kindred spirit because I, I'll be like, eh, I can just be watching movies or playing guitar. and I'll be playing guitar and you can hear it loud uh-huh. they, they can probably hear it outside and they know that i'm here but i'm just choosing not to answer the door <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> one more thing i wanted to comment before we go on break i wanted to comment on the amount of kills in this movie there's not that very many are they no and they're not very gory either they're very like mm, bland <laughs> in my opinion they, I think they are. I, th- I agree with you. Uh, and yeah. it's not like I'm looking for violence because people that have known this podcast, I know that I'm not a fan of over, like super violent movies like Hostel uh-huh. or Saw, stuff like that. That's not really my cup of tea. But at the same time, this being the first outing of Michael Myers, I think it is pretty tame. Yep. As far as that goes. Even his methods. I mean, yeah, he stabs someone and he stabs them. Like, well, that, that one was kind of cool where mm-hmm. he paints the boyfriend to the wall. Yeah. Kind of like one would pin a butterfly to a book. And then he's just like, huh. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. He, he twists his head. And, and that, that's kind of what gave me the feeling of somebody pinning a bug to a book collection. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. And he's kind of like looking like, at it like, oh, what a pretty butterfly that I just murdered. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we'll be right back after this break and talk a little bit more about Halloween from 1978. Alright, so, talking about the kills a little more. <laughs> um, the first one in the car was kind of weird. Because yeah. I guess he got in the car and then he locked himself in and waited for her to 
get in the car? He didn't lock himself in. He went in and he left the door unlocked. That's why when she tried to get in and was like, oh, I need to go get the keys. Oh, okay. But then the second time she came in, it just opened and that's when she was like, wait. And then that's when like, ah, death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the expression on her, her face is a little funny, to be honest. Like when, when she gets, because at first he's strangling her and then he stabs her or cuts her throat or something and then she looks, I mean, I don't know if, if I'm being insensitive here, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I happen to think, and also the other one, like uh, the other girl, when, when she gets stashed in the, in the closet, when Jamie Lee Curtis finds her in the closet, she's, uh -huh. her eyes look all like, oh, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, dude, why is it that when they were getting murdered, they sounded like they were mo like having sex. Like they were moaning. And everybody, even Jamie Lee Curtis was like, her 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 little, oh no, oh no. Like, they were very weird. Like, I was like, why does it sound so, like, sexual? So suggestive? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, really? I don't know. I mean, I guess that was subconscious. I mean, I don't know. Dude. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> The, uh, there's one thing that I learned in French class and when I was in college. Uh, it's the <laughs> the French when they're they're finishing when they're they're having a climax, you know, uh, uh, you know, an orgasm to use a colloquial term here. They call that la petite mort, which is the little death. Oh wow, that's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, la petite mort, and oh. so I guess maybe in 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 that culture it. it that's what it feels like to die, like a, like some sort of um. What's that word that I'm looking for? Not bliss, but I guess like a rush. Uh huh. A rush of adrenaline. Uh, there's another word, but I can't think of it right now. Maybe. Maybe uh, because I mean, when you're in that state, you, you it feels good. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I get yeah. You know, well, yeah, but not when you're getting murdered. Well, yeah, no, I, I mean. It was, when, <laughs> that's well, what it, I thought you were talking about. I was like, oh, no, 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 okay, like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean in, in the sexual sense, but um, okay. but I guess some people do claim that when they're having a, I guess a near death ex near death experience, it feels very similar to them. I've never had a near death experience, so I don't know. I have, and it does not feel like that. But okay. I wouldn't be. <laughs> would Agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, the French, my friend, the French, uh, and their weird ways. <laughs> Hi to my French peeps that are listening to us. Uh, if there's any of you guys out there, no disrespect, man. You know, just something that I learned from your compatriots when I was studying with them in college. <laughs> Couple of more behind-the-scenes facts. Um, it says here that the, the what I was praising so much, which was the lighting conditions in the movie, the, you know, how the, the light-to-dark contrast? Yeah. It happened because they had no budget for lights. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't because it was intentional, it's because they were poor. <laughs> Basically, I mean, the budget of the movie was just around $300,000 of that time. Damn. Which is nothing, really. Mm -hmm. Well, no, yeah. I mean, but even back then, I think, I don't know how what the inflation is, but let's say that it's a million dollars. Uh-huh. Even if it's two million, I mean, you really can't make a movie with two million dollars right now. Do you like a... No, no way. I mean, you can, You need but... it in a life. It, you, yeah, but it won't be successful, probably. It's, it's gonna look like one of those uh, direct-to-video-on-demand type of things. Probably. <laughs> Especially if you're making something with special effects, good luck. It's gonna look like oh, cartoons. No. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, I mean, this movie was very profitable. It, it made several millions of dollars on its way. Mm -hmm. And according to the Netflix thing that I watched, they were able to replay the movie because back then, since it was like an indie film, it wasn't picked up by any major studio at the time, I don't think. Uh-huh. They were only able to distribute it to very few theaters across the country. Wow. So, the following year, 1979, they the, the reason why they were able to play it so out like, in, in more theaters is because they called it Halloween. So oh, nice. They associated the, the movie to the holiday. So, the next year, they replayed it, and then I think the, the year after that, they replayed it again, and it, it kept making more money every time. Damn. So, altogether, I think it made over 60 million bucks of that time. Which is quite, I mean, it's quite a hit, dude. I mean, for inflation, I mean, right now, that, that I think that would be pretty, pretty legit. Especially when it's the first major movie. I mean, Carpenter had made other movies before this, but they had been like really low budget type of things. Uh, that I, I believe hardly anyone even saw by that point. But uh, this one um, was like the one that was distributed to more theaters. Okay. Or the first one that was distributed to, many, to so many theaters of his. And also the music. What do you think about the music in this? Very creepy. Mm hmm I liked it. And we mentioned that John Carpenter wrote the score for this. Mm -hmm. I think the score is amazing. I think it definitely... I mean, it, the synth sounds sound a little old-fashioned, but I mean, whatever. That's just what they had to work with in 1978, you know, excuse the guy <laughs> from 45 years ago, <laughs> making, you know, the the synths sound the way they did back then, you know, but I think that adds to the atmosphere, I think, I think that's why I like those kinds of sounds so much, even when I try to write my own music, I, I look for sounds like that because I like them so much. <clears throat> and it says here that it took him four days to finish it. Damn. So, I mean, just, that's not bad. I mean, just rewatching the movie, Constantly and trying to mess around with the, the music. Dude, and... I would I would go crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine like how grueling making a film is actually? It's intense. That's why people get paid big bucks. Because I mean, we see a movie for an hour and a half, maybe two hours in the average. Mm -hmm. But these people film for weeks or months. Years sometimes. And it's multiple takes of the same thing over and over and over again. Yep. And then you have to, of course edit and add the score and everything. not only that but also deal with egos and people not wanting to do their their job yep. and, or mm -hmm. actors trying to modify the lines to you know, like oh i think they should say this and yeah go off script my character <laughs> feels more like yeah and this. sometimes that works out sometimes they create cool things yeah. but a lot of times it's like do you just read the script please just get over <laughs> yourself and just do your job stick to it you know mm -hmm. so according to this jamie lee curtis was only paid eight thousand dollars what? <laughs> wow. I mean, it was her first major movie. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's good for a teenager. And yeah, I mean, she was 18 or 19, so I guess that's not bad for a few months' work. I mean... Yeah. I'd like to pay get paid $8,000. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> Over a couple of months, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be really cool. And she mentioned that she felt like she wasn't going to be kept in the movie after, like, they had shot a few scenes. Uh huh. She was very self-conscious of her acting, and she thought, "Man, they're gonna fire me. I know they're gonna fire Aww. me." And then there's uh, an account of allegedly John Carpenter called her and reassured her, like, "No, I, I like the way you're doing things. You're doing really good." So they kind of gave her the the motivation to keep going. 
that's good. So that's good. I mean, even if he didn't, I mean, we should, I'm, I'm sure he did because he. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would like someone like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, even if he didn't really like it, I mean, I think it's cool of him to, you know, get her motivated and, and keep going and, and finish mm-hmm. the actual movie. Yeah. So as the movie goes on, we see, of course, Michael Myers stalking the, the teenagers and the kids. Uh, the name, what's the name? Tommy, right? Uh huh. The little one. Yeah. What do you think about him? Well, typical uh, child issues with like, hey, nobody's listening to what I'm saying. Why doesn't anybody believe me? You should always believe the little kids. Always. Poor kid, dude. He was getting bullied and his babysitter didn't believe him. Tough. <laughs> Tough life for that kid. I think, uh, well, the the little neighbor girl, Lindsay, like, uh, believed him. I believe you. Yeah. yeah. I think she liked him. Yeah, she did, for sure. Because she's like, you want to go see movies with Tommy? She's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the babysitter oh man the babysitter ditched the, the, the girl to go meet up with her boyfriend whatever. I know I was like wow dude how irresponsible is that I wouldn't trust the babysitter after that if she did that to my child like uh, how come you left my child in the care of another teenager and you went off and met your boyfriend and... it's like we're paying you not her to take care of our kid yeah oh, worst babysitter I, I don't think I would trust them too much after that to be honest <laughs> I wouldn't hire her again. I would hire the other girl. I think she's more dependable. She actually stayed in the house. Yeah, exactly. And they actually make a point of that during the and and throughout the scenes in the movie, like when they're walking home from school. Both of them, they're not picking on, on Lori. They're kind of just making a point of saying, "Ah, you just, just you're still always focused on doing the right thing and getting your book." Because she's like, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Lori. She's like, "Oh man, I forgot my chemistry book. I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to do my homework, whatever." Yeah. And the other ones are like, who cares? I forget my books. I never do my homework. Like, <laughs> like stop being like, so... That's why you're not going to graduate. That's why. <laughs> Dumbass. That's so, why you died. So, so, or like, you know, <laughs> you got to just live the moment and go out. Because they, they also kind of mentioned that she never goes out with anyone or anybody. Yeah. Uh, especially on dates. I mean, I, I think they basically mean she doesn't hang out ever. Yeah. Outside of school. Or, you know, as far as partying or something like that. So uh-huh. it goes back to that trope of the yeah. quote-unquote virgin girl is the one that survives at the end because she's virtuous and yeah she doesn't participate in the debauchery of drugs or sex or anything like that how do you feel about that in this movie i understand why they did that but i think it's stupid it's not like the f- murderer smells oh she seems nice i'm not gonna kill her and of course, the ones who are having fun are the ones who die. It's stupid. <laughs> Why deprive ourselves of fun? We're gonna die anyways, aren't we? Right, yeah. So <laughs> why even bother? Oh my god. Might as well have a good time while doing it. Exactly. They all had sex and then they died, but at least they had sex. <laughs> well, the creators of the movie, you know, John Carpenter and his co producer Deborah Hill uh-huh. I think we mentioned this in the past episode too but they mentioned that it was never their intention to to show or to try to show that oh, if, if the youth of today is misbehaving and having sex and the, the bad things are going to happen to them they were like no the reason why they are not aware of their surroundings is because they're focused on, on just them 
themselves. They're, they're yeah. just living their lives and having fun. Uh-huh. And their friends and their boyfriends and drinking. And I mean, because think back to that state in your life. That, that, that's that frame of mind that you might have had back then. Uh-huh. Were you really, honestly, concerned with, with stuff that didn't involve you directly? No, probably yeah, not. Speaking on a day to day on a day to day day basis, I mean, I, I mean, if you had some causes that you supported, for example, then that's that's of course all of us did. Right. But in general, just on a day to day basis, like when you're talking to your friends, are you really gonna care about what's going on? Not really. I don't think you would. No. I mean, and when I say you, I mean just people in general, not you specifically. Yeah. But... And that connects again to that Lindsay thing. Like that's uh, uh, that's my personality is uh, I can be pretty de detached to stuff. Yeah. That can be a bad thing, of course, but right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I can also be very aware of my surroundings and, and know what I'm doing and what's happening. But a lot of times, I just choose not to because I'm just living my own life, dude. Yeah. So ain't nobody got time to worry about other people. <laughs> There's not enough hours in the day. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the final confrontation now, or the build-up to the final confrontation. Like by this point. All her friends are dead, and they're kind of decorating the house because one of them's in the bed with a gravestone that Michael Myers stole from the graveyard. Uh huh. And one of them is hanging from the ceiling, and the other one's stashed in the closet. So she finds all of them in the same scene. Yeah. And then Michael busts out of the shadows and starts the showdown. So what do you think of that final boss battle, as you call them? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was very not as intense as I hoped it would be. It's like she stabs him with the skewer or whatever that was. It's like a sewing needle, no? Oh, yeah, it was. And then she just sits there like, hey, go check if he died. Like, stab him again. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, I mean, that kind of set me off wrong. But I, typical, you know, this is so intense. I'm just going to cry here by the couch. Like, oh, my God. I hope he doesn't get up. He probably won't because I stabbed him. Oh, my God. <laughs> You, you gotta put yourself in her shoes. I mean, uh, me playing devil's advocate here, you gotta put, like... If I, if some dude was trying to kill me, I already killed all my friends, try to stab me with the kitchen knife, and all I did was hit him with the sewing needle, I would get back up, grab the knife that he had, and stab that motherfucker until he dies, because I'm not gonna let him get back up. No, so he can have a second go at me and try to murder me again? No, thank you. I probably won't survive the second slash. Like, no. I mean, I agree no. with you. I'm not saying that you're wrong for thinking that, but I mean, I'm just... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, like, there, there's people that don't think like you. People that generally, like, genuinely... They're in shock. ...panic yeah. and are in shock at, at finding the corpses of their friends and then having to, quote-unquote, kill someone. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, that, that that must have been really big for, for the character. Yes. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Mm -hmm. uh, because, again, they build her up to be this kind of, like, sheepish kind of personality, like, wouldn't really hurt to fly type of person in the... And now she's forced to stab someone in the neck and the face and repeatedly. And, and he, he gets up, I think, three different times. Yeah, the of first, course. Yeah, the first form is in the when she stabs him in, in the with a sewing needle. In the neck, uh-huh. And then the second form is when she stabs him in the closet with the, with the hanging, the, what do you call it, the hanger, the metal hanger. Uh-huh, yeah. And then the final form is when Dr. Loomis shoots him and he falls off the balcony. Yeah. By this it's hard point, to kill. Yeah, by this point, Dr. Loomis and, and Laurie had never met. Uh-huh. The the final scene of the movie is the first and only time that we see them together in the same scene. 
Mm-hmm. They had never met before this. Yeah, they kept crossing paths. Like, they kept, like, not or not connecting, really, you know, all the time. It was kind of, like, two different movies in one, in a way. Yeah. His story, her story. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. cool, I think. That is cool, yeah. Because a lot of times they kind of try to force the, the protagonist t- together for the entire movie, and it doesn't really work out sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this one I thought it was pretty cool. And speaking of Jamie Lee Curtis, she apparently doesn't like horror movies. <laughs> what? <laughs> Ironic. They asked her, I mean, what do you think of, of being labeled as a scream queen? <laughs> and she's like, ah, I'm not a big fan of horror movies. So I just don't like surprises. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So why did she do so many of them then? She was already stuck there. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> Money's money, dude. Money is money. Like, Podcast. Yeah. To the bank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, I guess me, as you know, putting it or comparing it to music, it's kind of like a one-hit wonder type of thing, I guess. Uh-huh. In which you try to write different songs, but everyone wants you to play the same song over and over again. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you go. Kind of thing. So, that I mean, I guess, yeah, it's nice to enjoy the, the you know, reap the rewards of your success, but... At the same time, it must be kind of unfulfilling it as, as an artist or as an actor yeah. in, this, in this case, and her as an actor. Mm-hmm. To be typecast and for people to want her to be chased by Michael Myers, I mean, it's happening now. Yeah. And she's like in her 70s already, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, yeah, hang on, uh, it's 45 years. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, she's late 60s probably. Damn. So. She still looks good though. Yeah, I mean, I liked, actually, uh, real quick, I liked the first in the new trilogy. I haven't seen uh-huh. Halloween Kills, which is the next one that came out a couple weeks ago, and I haven't seen it, but I plan on seeing it soon. I haven't seen it either. I the, It looks pretty interesting from the trailer, and of course people are already saying like, ah, it's, it's, it's not great, it's not a good movie, I didn't like it, uh, whatever, but I mean, I'm trying to avoid spoilers, so. Yeah. Now, one final thing I want to mention. It's funny how all these franchise, franchises are connected by the actors or directors. Because, for example, Friday the 13th, the creator of that movie, and the creator of Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, uh, Sean Cunningham and Wes Craven, uh-huh. they were actually friends in real life. Wow. And they made several um, questionable movies together. Uh-huh. By that, I mean they're, they're adult movies. Oh. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> They were quote unquote artistic, but still they were they were mostly about sexual imagery and stuff like that. Interesting. And at some point, the director of Friday the Thirteenth, you know, or the the creators, sorry, Sean Cunningham, he was asked by Wes Craven to actually shoot a few scenes in that movie. So you could okay. say that the the creator of Friday the Thirteenth played a part in Nightmare on Elm Street as far as some of the the, the camera work. That's cool. They worked together in, in some of those scenes, and I bring that up because. Robert Englund, the Freddy Krueger, he says he was friends with John Carpenter, or he met him somehow. What? <laughs> and that he actually was on set for, for one day. Uh-huh. As a studio hand, so he was doing uh, behind-the-scenes work. Nice. So you could say that Freddy Krueger played a part in this movie, too. That's pretty awesome, man. <laughs> They're all buddies. All yeah, the killers. So <laughs> Robert Englund said, and I quote, John Carpenter had me throw bags of dead leaves on the set for one day. <laughs> that's awesome. That you know, I never knew this. 
Yeah, me neither. I never knew this. I just found this out in, in, in the course, and I, I hope all these things are correct because that, that's kind of like the, like its own cinematic universe at this point. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and, I mean, we always wanted the crossovers. You know, we got Freddy versus Jason, but I think we got it too late, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. It would have been awesome to see them duke it out in the 80s or 90s, kind of like Godzilla versus King Kong, you know, that, that kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, there are several fan films where they actually put them against each other, and it, it, they're not bad. Nice. I mean, some of them are, are eh, you know, but there's one where Michael Myers and Jason fight, and it looks like, wow, it looks legit. Nice. It looks really, really, really cool. So, you got any final comments, my friend, on Halloween or anything with the production or anything about the Halloween season in general? I mean, I, I like I like Halloween season, and I like... um. The, the Halloween movies too, but I'm the most fond of the one with uh, what's that guy? The one from the faculty, Josh Hartnett. Oh, uh, Halloween 20, I think. Yeah, because that's the one that I saw, and I was like, "Woo, oh, hotties!" Like <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I love scary movies. Spooky season is a perfect time to watch scary movies, so yes. it's pretty cool. Yes, it is. And mm -hmm. speaking about that movie, since you brought it up, I thought it was okay. I didn't like it, or I didn't thought it was super, mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know which came before uh, first, that one or Resurrection, which is the one with Buster Rhymes. That one was horrible. Oh, yeah, no, that one was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that one was, they, I think they, that one was after. They kind of try to make it like a reality show. Yeah. Type of thing, where like, there's, there's cameras in the house, and Michael Myers is kind of walking everywhere and killing everyone. That's because that's that's what was the the trend back then. You know, uh -huh. they had like all these movies that were just like that too, and reality TV was just getting really big. So I think it, it could have been done better. Let's just say that. I mean, yeah. the way that it was done in, in that specific movie, I, I didn't like it. And I, I definitely want to talk about that movie. I don't know if you're up for that. You know, when when we yeah. come back. Mm -hmm. But you just talk about it. <laughs> Exactly, because, well, uh, we'll go more in-depth about that in our, in our closing remarks, but as far as me personally, closing remarks on Halloween, I think it's definitely one of my favorite movies, even though, I mean, it, it aged well, but by today's standards, like you say, it, it's pretty slow. It's definitely one of my favorite movies. I do agree with you in the fact that it's definitely a slow burn, so if you're used to faster-paced movies or movies with a lot of violence and gore, you're probably not going to like this, but I think you should still watch it. Uh -huh. If anything, for its historical value as a horror movie, I think this is yes. one of the OGs of horror. Agreed. And I think everyone that calls himself a horror fan should watch this and like this, because if you don't, I don't know what you're doing in your life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and to second your sentiments about uh, Spooky Season, Halloween, it is uh -huh. my favorite part of the year. Nice. As soon as the leaves start turning brown and the breeze starts uh, dropping from the hundreds to like the 90s, Mm -hmm. Around here, <laughs> it drops about 10, 15 degrees. You know, we're in, we're in the high 80s, and people are wearing jackets around here. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's just the, I like it, and I understand that there's people that start feeling bad mentally. Oh okay. Around this, uh, you, you know, the the famous holiday blues where they kind of start getting you know depressed about the season. I've always been the opposite of that. I've always felt the best. Me personally, as my my personality and like I, I get more, I feel more energetic uh -huh. during this time of the year and the winter. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. So I guess some some sort of anomaly around here. 
Same too. Same too. Same <laughs> here. Because I don't know what it is, dude, but like I love cold weather. Mm-hmm. And I love the fall. I love the crunchy leaves. Um, I love wearing layers of clothes. Best thing ever. And being able to dress like a hobo and you don't get judged because everybody else is dressing <laughs> like a hobo. It's nice, dude. Beanies, scarves, ugh. Coffee and caldo. That's the best. I love yeah, it. I love it. And that means that Thanksgiving is around the corner, which means tons of food. I love feasting. So that's the best. Uh, yes, I, I definitely think this is the most wonderful time of the year. Alright, so that was our uh, review slash critique of Halloween from 1978. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And we'll be right back with Quotes and Remarks. everybody so we hope you enjoyed listening to that episode if you are a first-time listener we want to thank you for dropping by and lending us your ears in this your first EMBL experience we hope you go back and explore our past library episodes uh, except episode one do not open that that is a cursed, <laughs> a, a cursed chest, of, chest of wonders think of it as Pandora's box don't open it you'll die <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know Feel free to go back and explore the past episodes. And if you are a repeat listener, thank you very much for being a faithful member of the EMBL squad. But, however, we are the closing remarks, and it is Liz Hatface once again, my friend. Wah, wah, wah. So, uh, yeah, uh, just really quick, I mean, we want to mention that I've had a great time doing this podcast, Monica. Same. It's allowed me to keep in touch with one of my best friends, which is you. I <laughs> <laughs> crossed the thousands of miles to separate us physically, but yep. Uh, again, because we've mentioned that we're gonna take a break, and I, I want to emphasize that this is not the end of the NBL by any mm-hmm. means. It's just that life gets in the way sometimes. Uh, jobs, personal stuff. You know, it just happens, and we felt like you know what, we need to kind of just take a little break for a few weeks, and recharge our batteries, rethink our format. I think. Uh, changes in order, a big change of, of format, and I don't know, maybe the stylistic thing. Uh, we're still shooting ideas back and forth, and, and as soon as we get those together, we will maybe make an announcement on our social media or something like that. But in the meantime, it's been great hosting this podcast with you, my friend. Same. I don't think I could have picked a better co-host. Thank you. <laughs> you, get, <laughs> you get a virtual gold star on your forehead. Gracias. <laughs> so you got any comments on your experience how do you feel about doing a podcast this is, this is the first time you did one right yeah it's crazy dude it is crazy it's like it's crazy that we're just like recording stuff like never what i thought that we'd be doing something like this so it's pretty cool um it's nice talking about movies sometimes well me because i like to rag sometimes but um it's been fun like it's like a little uh sort of therapy 
session in a sense. <laughs> so it's cool. I think it's pretty fun, and it's allowed us to meet very interesting people from all over. Yes, yes, for and sure. And collaborating with them and talking to them and getting to know them and just spending time with them, it's been great. I really agree with you. I never would have seen myself as being a podcast host of any kind because I was always a shy person growing up. I was Me too. The kid that never spoke to anyone. Aww. I was invisible. I hated being, like, when the teacher called me to answer a question, I hated it. I was like, oh my god, kill me. Same, dude. I hate being in the spotlight. That's the worst. But this is different. I mean, I guess over the years since I became a musician and I started teaching, I mean, I was surprised that I became a teacher, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, so so this compared to that is, is walking the park, you know, doing a podcast versus teaching. But I don't think I would be here without all those hard steps in my life, my friend. So true. Speaking of which, you got any shout outs? Um... To my dog, dude, for being like the sweetest dog ever. <laughs> she's right here. She's next to me, and she's been the chillest. Uh-huh. Hasn't barked once. <laughs> so yeah, yay well, Vienna! Shout out to Vienna, Monica's dog in the yes. distance. Uh-huh. And I guess we, while we're in that topic, I'll give a shout out to my cats. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> hanging out in my backyard, and actually, they killed a possum the other day, dude. What? Bad ass. Dude, my, my cats were like little little tigers because um, that's awesome. That those it was three or four possums that were kind of starting to infiltrate my backyard. Oh no! And eat their food and stuff like that. And I guess they were like, oh hell no, 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 we're not putting, we're not gonna put up with this anymore. So they, I guess they ganged up and won the smallest one and killed it. That's awesome. <laughs> Way yay them. So yes, I'm proud. my cat, my oh well, my my main cat is Junior. Okay. Uh, and the other one is. Uh, Bigotes, which is mustache, you know, in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. And then the uh-huh. other one nice, is cute. the other one is birdie or pajarito. <laughs> Aww. Because he sounded like a little birdie when he was a little kitten, so that kind of just stuck. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few more cats in, nice. in, the, in the backyard, but those are like my three OG cats that I take care of. Uh, but Wait. yeah, I mean, now Monica, you got any other final comments on? What you might think the future might hold for us as far as podcasters? Any ideas you might have right now that you were considering, or maybe some stories? Um, that'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, more folk stuff for sure. Yeah. Legends, myths. Yep. I feel like we uh, definitely should do that, my friend. We should do more. I mean, we kind of stopped doing that because of the time of the year it was. I, I figured right. that, you know, and we had talked about taking a break a while back, so we're like, well, this is finish strong with the OG 80s movies. Yep. And definitely, yeah, we should uh, also do maybe original stories. I don't know, because there, there's there's so many things that we can do, and I've talked to other podcasters that, you know, I, I've been keeping in touch with through Twitter, and I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that we could talk about and, and do, I mean, maybe boost our YouTube channel somehow. Some, I mean... Some drinking games. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, we're, we've been talking about that for a long time, but... Yeah, true. We never we, did it. <laughs> we should, but that, that, I, I feel like that could only work on video format. So that's... Yeah, that's and true. I need to figure out how to do that. I haven't been able to <laughs> get a camera. That, yeah. I mean, my camera records video, but I don't know how to edit videos. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. So hopefully during this break, I'll take a crash course and, and learn how to edit quickly. And yes. we can implement that. I mean, those videos can be short. But anyway, so it's just ideas that we're shooting. And as far as me... I definitely think we, again, could change format, keep our, our le- running time a little short, or quite a bit short. <laughs> make it a little more enjoyable. If we make it more concise and to the point, it, it's, it'll be a, 
Orange and Wolf for not only us but for the listeners too. Yep, true. So the extra sad phase because there is no no hint right now as to what I know the next episode will be about, but I believe it's gonna be about a folk legend. I think. Yeah. I think since you mentioned that, I think we should we should bring that into our podcast. Bring it back. And like I mentioned, I will be doing mini episodes. I'll be doing interviews with people. There's I already have one that I recorded a couple weeks ago that the first part of the interview will be released next week or after this episode, the following week. That'll be like a special mini season of mini episodes. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to compile interviews or read stories or maybe go out there and uh, talk to people or, or maybe, like I said, do a ghost exploration in my backyard something like that. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> See what happens. So, once again, it's been great doing this podcast, and it is not a goodbye, but rather a see you later because I'm going on vacation, Biatch. Yes! <laughs> type of thing. So, in the meantime, you guys can explore our past library episodes or wait for the ones that are released as, as a mini season. Mm-hmm. And, well, there's nothing left for me to say as uh, other than... Be good to yourself, to each other, to everyone. Have a great time out there and doing Halloween trick or treating. Mm-hmm. Stay away from screaming teenagers. <laughs> Running away from mask killers. <laughs> Unless you want to help them, I mean, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a good Samaritan, yeah. Yeah, but well, until we see you again, have a good one. Bye.